In this week's update, what latest inflation data means for markets, geopolitical risk soars, and US earnings season underway. My name's Gary Davis. As always, this is general advice only. And please remember to like and subscribe to the video. All right. Look, not a lot has changed. There's been lots of ups and downs in the last week, but but really the outlook has, has not changed. The US inflation uh, data came in uh, still too hot, and the market has had a couple of negative intraday reactions to that, but nothing that's really sticking. You know, basically, this is, I've been saying for some time, this is a market that just seems to want to go up. Now, the inflation data was in line in, in many or most categories, but there are still some categories that are still accelerating. And concerningly, uh, fuel cost, electricity cost, and accommodation cost, but either ownership or, uh, or rental, are still above expectations. And of course, they're the, they're the critical ones for the consumer. So that's the situation in the US. Now, when we look at the money flows, as we'll get to in a minute, um, they're, they're really not saying anything different to what they've been saying pretty much all year. Um, so certainly there is absolutely no evidence of, uh, of any sort of topping formation that would lead to a bear market. Otherwise, the growth of focused sectors of the market would be doing something quite different. So yields are volatile. They've been um, kicked around quite a bit in the last uh, week, but net, they went lower. So that in itself tells you something. So US sector flows, they're still supporting growth. They're not supporting the defensives. So, you know, to my, to my way of thinking, this is, uh, this is a market that uh, the orientation is to the upside. So the net result of all these cross currents, and we've got many, and, and now we've got obviously geopolitical risk in the Middle East to add to, um, to Ukraine and the China-US tensions and um, you know, concerns about global growth and inflation, you know, the list goes on and on and on. But the, the net result of all of that is that the most advantaged businesses are just going to keep marching on like they always have. Every now and again, they, you know, they have a period of weakness, perhaps where the, the PE multiples have got ahead of themselves and there's a bit of a, an adjustment backwards. But basically, the advantage businesses just keep going. And what do I mean by that? Well, it's, it's where the business model has a, a significant strategic advantage. They've got an economic moat that protects them, insulates them from their competition. Uh, they may have the best in the business uh, management. They've certainly almost uh, uh, certainly got uh, pricing power. Um, so all these things, if you can find businesses and narrow your focus to businesses that are in that position, then just don't let what the broader market is doing worry you too much. You know, it's, it's a fairly straightforward process. And then, of course, you, you want to buy them when they've get it, got an edge because advantage businesses spend most of their time probably being fully valued to a to somewhat overvalued, but from time to time, for whatever reason, that it's generally, it's, it's temporary or it's a misunderstanding, from time to time, the prices sell off and they provide wonderful entry opportunities. But you know what? You never really get an opportunity to get onto those unless they're already on your watch list, and unless you're already targeting those stocks and you've got a bit of an idea of what would be an attractive entry price. Um, if you haven't done that work in advance, it's very difficult to, 
you know, during a period of general market weakness to suddenly scurry around and try to uncover what are the gems. The, the work's got to be done in advance. And that's what I spend a hell of a lot of my time doing. And then, of course, the final thing is sometimes the market, the price just doesn't respond. The market doesn't reward a really, really good situation, a really good growth situation um, for some time. So you've just got to allow the time for the market to reward those businesses. So it's, it's not a difficult formula, um, but it's not that easy to do. And the reason it's not that easy to do is because what's swirling around in our heads. And if you can get clarity and process that helps you deal with what's swirling around your head, then you can do infinitely better in the stock market. Okay, American stocks, the S&P added another half percent across the week, despite the volatility. And the overall money flows, as you'll see, are not being disturbed by the inflation data uh, at all. Earnings season kicked off in the US with with three of the major banks and it was positive. Earnings beat expectations. And um, that's what normally happens. That's the way the dance gets uh, conducted in America. Low expectations, you beat them, the market cheers, and everybody's happy. So that seemed to have started off in pretty much the same fashion as normal. The US dollar index uh, edged up a little bit more, um, 106 and, and two thirds. But the yield traded down, so hit a high, I think, of around 4.85, but ended up trading down to 4.63. The VIX was higher to 19.3, and the 10-year, two-year spread is still sort of bobbing around this negative 0.3 to negative 0.4 mark. So let's go and have a look at some charts. But just before we do that, let's just look at the 10-year yield, and we'll put this on a first let's look at the year to date so you get big bigger picture sense so clearly the 10-year yield is heading up and the market is anxiously waiting for that to um to stop rising um, because if this does keep rising then that will be an increasing problem for markets <clears throat> but at the moment it's um it's just been going really sideways for the last couple of weeks let's zero in on the last week and see what that looked like very volatile. Uh, we were up um, up above 4.8 at one stage. We were down at uh, 4.54 at one stage, and we finished probably a little bit in the lower part of that uh, that range. So a very volatile week for um, for the yield, and that of course causes some confusion in uh, in the equities markets. Now, this is the S and P. Um, but I'm going to start with it on a weekly chart. So this is the low that we saw in October of last year. So for the last 12 months, the S&P has gone from around 35.50, peaked out around 4,600, and is currently at 43.27. So there's definitely a strong trend there, but you'll notice we've had one, two, and now three um, reasonably decent pullbacks in the market. And you'll notice this particular one here is, is played out as, as an ABC pattern. So the way that a normal trend unfolds, when you come off being oversold, you've got a significant move up, then you've got a partial retracement back, but it tends to be just one leg down. And then you get another advance and another leg down. 
So all you're doing is you're retracing the previous move. But then generally after you get a very significant run to the upside, as we had here between March and July, it's then often that you will get the retracement of the whole move. So from this low to this low, at some point that's always going to occur. And that generally plays out as some sort of ABC pattern. So there's the A leg, there's the B, the bounce, and we've had the C leg. Um, and for all sorts of reasons that I've been covering over the last few weeks, the odds favor, particularly the money flows support this, but the odds favor are that this is the low last week. And um, we'll have to wait and see. But we had a retracement to these prior highs. We also had, if you put a Fibonacci scale on that, we also had a retracement uh, almost to the 38.2 as well, which is a pretty, a pretty uh, normal sort of retracement level when you've got, uh, when you've got a strongish uptrend. The moment you've got to look at that, uh, despite whatever thoughts you might have, and say that that is a reasonably strong uptrend. If you look at all the weekly moving averages, they're all lined up in the right order, and um, and the price remains above all of, all but the the short term ones. Let's just go and look at the daily. Um, the shorter term moving averages have turned over as a consequence of this uh, correction that we've had since the end of July. Uh, but certainly a, um, a good move over the last six or seven sessions. Let's look at um, what's going on under the hood. So NASDAQ versus S&P, we're not showing any signs of like we saw over here where growth rolled over. It's holding up very well. Did, did uh, retract just a little bit at the end of the week. Still looking very solid. Semiconductors, importantly, very much the same. There's been no interruption to the pattern there. If we look at the relative sector money flows over the last quarter, uh, energy, which did get a sharp sell-off when the price of oil fell, but oil rebounded last week and took um, it took the, the energy sector very strongly to the upside. Communication services comes next, down last week. Healthcare, a little bit of a recovery. And so on, we go down the line. But it's a real mixture. There's no particular standout there. And but one of the things that um, that I think is is a good insight is that XLP, which is consumer staples, remains at the bottom and it's trending down. So you know that's that's a sign that the market is not uh, is not too fearful. In the Australian market over the last quarter, um, finance and energy. Are leading the way over the last quarter, and then um, well, we've got healthcare pretty much at the bottom. The healthcare majors were under pressure anyway on a bit of a valuation basis, but of course, there's been a lot of media attention of late about the um, the impact of these obesity drugs and what impact they might have. And CSL and ResMed have copped the backwash of uh, of that. So that's the, uh, that's the situation with respect to the U.S. market and the money flows. Currency, we had a bit of a, bit of a pullback, but we're still in uptrend, still holding above the 20-day moving average. And, of course, the Aussie dollar is, uh, is doing pretty much the opposite. Okay, speaking of Aussie stocks, um, 
Our market gained uh, 1.4% across the week, might have a bit of a wobble or a bit of weakness on Monday morning, um, but it basically reversed the previous week's decline. However, the ASX 200 is still trading comfortably below the 200-day moving average, um, so that's quite different to the US market. And if you look at it on a sector-by-sector basis, um, information technology is the only sector that's above the 200-day moving average, which is also rising. So that tells you a fair bit about our market, only, only one sector above a rising 200-day moving average. So things pretty somber in, in our market. Let's just take a quick look at that. So this is the ASX 200, 200-day moving average, flat turning over. Shorter-term moving averages have also rolled over and the price is below all of them. But none of that is particularly exciting. And the only one that looks halfway decent is XIJ. 200 days pointing up now and the price is above it. Yes, we've got some short-term weakness in the, uh, in the shorter-term moving averages, but we're now starting to, to reclaim the ground and, and the, um, the eight-day moving average has turned up the 20 looking like it will as well. So that's the situation with, uh, with our market. Turning to precious metals, gold had a huge spike during the week, up $100 to 1933 for obvious reasons, because of the geopolitical risks that are unfolding. And who knows where, where that may, uh, may go. Um, and then when you translate that into the Australian dollar, which also fell, it was a massive surge. In, um, in the gold price in Australian dollars. So we're up to uh, basically $3,100. Precious metals, bit of a positive response, pretty much in line with what you'd expect with the gold price spiking, but there's no leadership. You know, there's no outperformance. So I have nothing different to say to what I've been saying for, for probably two years. I just don't get excited by gold producers it's, it's got to be the, the de-risking process of world-class gold developers to get me interested, I'm afraid. So let's take a quick look at that one. So there is gold on a weekly chart. You can see it was a big, big week or re reclaimed the two, in fact, three, four, almost reclaimed the previous five weeks of, uh, of declines. So a very significant week. For uh, gold, but stocks not really responding. And this is what it looked like on an intraday basis. Huge amount of volatility on Monday coming off the uh, previous weekend's turmoil. Um, had, a, had a day or two of indecision, but then Friday was, was really a very strong period. Okay, that's precious metals. Turning to other commodities, copper 359. Nickel at 8.33, so still struggling a bit. And these are prices that are not going to incentivize the sort of exploration needed to, to meet the demand that's, that's coming down the pipeline, certainly in a couple of years' time. Crude oil are back up to um, the high 80s again. And I think we've, we've now, we've got the attempt to take over, has yet to be approved by ExxonMobil of Pioneer Natural Resources, which is a huge, huge takeover. Um, and it really now 
puts it, uh, mergers acquisitions firmly back on the agenda in the energy sector as it is in, as it is in lithium. And perhaps we're even starting to see some in, in the copper area as well. Uh, let's just take a quick look at what crude oil looked like. Again, let's just get the bigger picture year to date. Long period going sideways. And then we've started to trend of late and oil's poked its head above $90 at one stage. If we just look at the last week, you can see a fairly, a fairly steep recovery at the end after some weakness in, in the middle of, of the week. There's the spot copper chart. Um, I have no idea what this is about. I've, I suspect it's probably just some sort of aberration in the data. This is off Kitco. So yeah, I have no explanation for that. Um, because we didn't see it in, um, in nickel either. So wrapping it up, um, you, you focus in these sort of markets really should be in great long-term businesses. Okay, you can have your speculative plays on the side, but that should form a pretty minor part of your portfolio. You want to be investing in, in businesses that are going to do really, really strongly with a high degree of probability over the long term. So that should be, in my opinion, the, the staple of your portfolios. And that can be it can be mining, it can be non-mining, as as long as they've got the tailwinds of megatrends. But you also need to retain awareness for contrarian situations because the market regularly gets it wrong on a temporary basis. It either overreacts to some situation, and I suggest that what's going on with this reaction to the obesity drug craze is is a significant overreaction. For, uh, for stocks like CSL and Resby. So the market quite often will do that. Uh, it'll react in, a, um, in an unrealistic way, and that can create some terrific contrarian opportunities. Portfolio analysts last week, uh, we covered my favoured US stocks, of which there are quite a few, obviously. Uh, and sorry, and why, why a great technology is, um, is never enough. Something we've been doing in portfolio analysts since this started in 2017 is analyzing stocks, new technology stocks across whatever sector it might be. It could be industrial, it could be technology, healthcare, um, you know, it could be mining, whatever it might be. We've got a great technology. It looks an absolute no brainer and we just have to be an outrageous success and change the world. And, you know, you look, two or three or five years later, and the share price has lost 90% of its value. There was some initial hype, but then the commercialization reality becomes apparent. Just the vast majority of these great technology stocks, they, they don't ever make it. The price doesn't ever make it. So that was, I think, good insight into the, the potential dangers of getting drawn into you know, that, that story, that seemingly unbelievably good story. It's easy to do, but it can cost you very dearly. So that's it for this edition. There's email address and uh, website where there's more information. 
and I'll be back with you next Sunday. Cheers.